Love it or hate it, CrossFit is here to stay. But what if I told you about the gaping holes present in most CrossFit methodology relative to strength gains, fat loss, and improving long-term performance? Why the general acceptance of the paleo diet was the best and the worst thing that they could have done, and one major element of workout nutrition that CrossFit has completely missed the boat on. That's what we're discussing on this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, where each week you will hear the real-world experiences, life lessons, and guided principles that every highly driven man needs to master, their health, productivity, and relationships by sharing conversations with the world's most successful people in fitness, nutrition, supplementation, and mindset. Meet your host, Benjamin Brown. He is a fitness and nutrition expert consultant to Fortune 500 companies and world championship sports teams, a husband and father of three, and has been helping men transform their physiques, optimize their energy, and own their fatherly mission since 2005. Thank you for joining us today, and without further ado, let's jump right in. If you asked me, I'd say that the exponential growth of CrossFit over the past 10 years has been overwhelmingly positive. It's built communities that value health. It's motivated women and men to lift weights and validated the benefits of lifting heavy weights. It's created a fun level of competition within the group training sphere and without question has absolutely tested the boundaries of what people are capable of if they commit to the process. But for as many of its benefits, it has an equal amount of flaws a high injury rate, incongruent program design and coaching methodology, high participation attrition, and unrealistic and dogmatic nutrition guidelines. To highlight the pros and cons, I'd like to introduce you to Elliot Shackney. Elliot is a strength and physique coach specializing in helping CrossFitters and trainers drop stubborn body fat, build muscle, and improve their metabolism. He has worked across the globe as an educator, public speaker, and coach helping people break through plateaus to improve performance, regain health, and simply look better naked. As a former athlete, Elliot was a state-ranked junior tennis player in Florida, Division I tennis and football player at the University of Connecticut, and a competitive CrossFitter. In today's episode, we'll discuss the pros and cons of CrossFit, including what's missing and why there's such a high rate of injury present, the role of carbohydrates in performance and body composition improvement, why low-carb diets are a recipe for disaster if you train hard, how you should prioritize your training and nutrition versus simply cutting your calories, the role of nutrient timing, specifically when to eat your carbs for optimal recovery and sleep, how to structure your peri-workout nutrition, and how CrossFit totally missed the boat on this one. As you'll hear, Elliot is a battle-tested veteran of CrossFit and a highly respected strength coach and online trainer who's open-minded and progressive enough to realize that if he wanted to continue to improve as an athlete, trainer, and coach, then he needed to move away from the standardized CrossFit approach. In doing so, he's built a much more refined and effective way of working with clients to help them achieve their strength, performance, and body composition goals. As always, if you love what you hear on this show, then do me a favor and subscribe, leave a positive rating and review, and share this episode with a friend or loved one whom you think could benefit. Without further ado, here is Elliot. Elliot Shackney, welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. What's up, man? Hey, Ben. Great to be here. Good to have you. It's uh, been a long time in the making. I'm happy to have you on and share your expertise with my listeners. So what's been happening in your world? 
Um, the usual stuff, you know, clients and, you know, getting content out there for people that want to, that are interested in content, talking with other fellow colleagues and coaches like yourself. Yeah. So you're, you're a strength coach, you're an online personal trainer, um, you're a nutrition coach and you have a, well, tell us a little bit about your background. So I've been coaching for, it's been about 10 years now. And when I started coaching full time, it was through CrossFit. And like many other CrossFit coaches out there, it started with, oh, well, this is really fun. And I think I could be really good at this. And at the time it, it worked out because I had sort of fallen out of, uh, out of love with my previous career. And which was what? which was, I was a cameraman in the film industry. Oh, no kidding. Interesting. And grew up playing all sports. You know, I played tennis through, through college and actually played a year of football in college as well and was there playing everything else for fun. And so the fitness was always there as a hobby, but it got to a point where I wanted to make that hobby a career. So I started coaching and... So you were, sorry to interrupt, you were, so you were training CrossFit like for yourself you're yes. doing CrossFit and then you're like, this is, I really love this. This is something I could do as a profession. Yeah. And because I was really, I was finding myself geeking out on getting deeper and deeper into the, the minutia of the of fitness mm -hmm. and nutrition. And I didn't have an academic background in exercise science because that's not what I went to school for. And so it was really exciting to start really sort of learning the ins and outs of that stuff as, as I became more engrossed in the CrossFit world. And How long ago was it, was it that you started coaching? That was, it was about 10 years ago. So it was like 2008, the end of 2008 or something like that. That's actually really impressive to me, just knowing you and, and knowing how smart you are with respect to fitness and nutrition and supplementation, how much you've acquired, how much knowledge you've, and experience you've acquired over the last 10 years not having a formalized degree in the field. That's pretty impressive. Thanks. I've have to be honest. I felt like I had this chip on my shoulder, not not coming from that academic, like university degree background in yeah. something like exercise science. Although looking back, well, number one, I went to University of Connecticut, UConn, which, which is a good school, which is a good school, but also has one of the best exercise science programs right, in the country. Right, totally, I um, completely missed the boat there. Yeah, and, Dr. William Kramer. He's uh, yeah, and he's Volick, big, Jeff Volick did a lot yeah. of did a lot of his stuff out there. So yeah, I, I really felt like I had a lot of making up to do. So it's been every year at least a couple courses or certifications and that kind of stuff to to keep the education flowing. So you started coaching CrossFit and kind of where did that lead? So that led to my quest for more knowledge and education started to take me um, on these paths that, that, that strayed from CrossFit um, first a little bit and then a lot of it. Mm. And I was trying to implement those things as I would learn more and more, try to implement them into that CrossFit world, that, that paradigm. Started to realize that there was a limit to how much outside of CrossFit was going to be, for lack of a better word, tolerated or accepted. Okay. And so then it, it just kind of took me to um, starting my own private practice where I could uh, implement those things that I wanted to. And we don't know what we don't know. And so yeah. as, as we learn more, we start to expand what we do with our practice. What were the really kind of glaring limitations that you were experiencing within? Like, I guess I'm interested in both maybe the politics involved 
as well as, you know, from a mechanical perspective, like what were the limitations present in within sort of say CrossFit um, program design structure that you wanted to change that they wouldn't let you? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. I think you hit a bunch of those points, which is uh, number one, there, there's a logistical issue because typical CrossFit gyms, at least at the time and still currently have a certain amount of equipment. So most of them are, you know, your typical CrossFit gym has squat racks or a rig and, uh, you know, barbells, dumbbells, and maybe some strongman stuff. Right. But it's kind of shunned to have machines or cables or any of that other type right. of stuff that is seen as bro bodybuilding or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that stuff is, can, is really important and mm-hmm. really useful for certain things. So obviously that stuff couldn't be implemented. But certain programming or programming, you know, program design, certain ideas sometimes just don't fit because you have a group, it's group fitness. Yeah. And it's, it's not going to necessarily logistically work when you're trying to run a certain type of program with 12, 15 or, or more sure. people. And then one of the biggest things was the mindset. And by that point, you know, the, 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 what people expected when they walked into a CrossFit gym or when they, when they went to their CrossFit class was a certain type of training. You know, they knew that there was, there'd be strength, there'd be like a lift and there'd be a Metcon and probably the biggest drawing point was that they'd get this beat down workout Mm. um, that feels great, you know, and there's the social community. There's a lot of, there's a lot of pros to it, but there is a whole world of program design above and beyond just beat down conditioning workouts. Yeah. And that's number one. Number two, even if you are going to include those, there's ways to program that so there's there's proper progressions but when you start changing stuff the average crossfitter is very quick to adopt things but also is a bit what i found is that they're a bit uh stubborn like to to accept new once they have their their routine and system in place they're a little stubborn to accept outside you know changes to that routine sure and so i was able to while I was still coaching, I had created a couple classes at the, I was working at a CrossFit Hollywood primarily. And for a while I was running the weightlifting team, I created a mobility class. Mm-hmm. But then what I was really excited about was this, what I called a uh, sports enhancement class, which was not your typical, we're going to lift and then we're going to do a, a conditioning workout. There was a bit more skill stuff. There was strongman-esque type stuff with sandbags and kettlebells and a lot of unilateral stuff, a lot of uh, multi-axis movements mm-hmm. uh, and just uh, things that, that are, again, just a little outside, a little more fringe. Mm-hmm. And I'd have, I get a couple, I probably had like three or so really dedicated people that, that loved them, would come to that class all the time but then a lot of people that didn't really know what it was about and didn't really care because they had their routine going. So it's a, at a certain point as you, as a coach expands his or her education in terms of strength training, even conditioning training, the whole world of of fitness, there's a little bit of a square peg in a round hole uh, is what I found. And so I just 
felt like I needed to just do it on my own. Well, so did you observe that people just weren't getting the results that they wanted um, or the attrition was too high or a combination of both or people were getting injured or just the, the program design just didn't make any sense relative to what their goals were? I mean, I'm yeah, actually, uh, almost all of that. And at the time, you know, when, when you're in it, you don't necessarily see that. But then as you get a little more separated, you can have a more bird's eye view of what's actually going on. There's movement patterns that are repeated far too often. For example, let's just like take the posterior chain, for example, you know, mm-hmm. let's say glutes and hamstrings only get trained like one or two ways out of the entire, you know, uh, uh, hopper of CrossFit movements, yeah, and like knee flexion, for example, is not trained right. in CrossFit ever. And so there's all these there's all these holes in the training that does start to lead to injuries. That does start to lead to lack of progress, whether it's strength or conditioning or physique, right? Um, because all those things are going to be limiting factors at some point. You know, at at first it's all going to work, but at some point those holes are going to catch up to you. Yeah. And so I, I did start to see that where it's, Oh, it's missing this. This could be, this could be boosting someone's squat by, you know, 20% if they started adding this type, you know, a little bit of this in, or they, if they had a little more structural balance right. involved in their training, the injury rate would start to plummet. Yeah. Um, you know, not everyone should be using a barbell. So there's, there's, uh, it's not just about lowering the weight, but but changing a, you know, maybe a regression of a certain movement that would be more appropriate for someone. And sometimes it just isn't accepted to include that stuff. And sometimes it's logistically difficult because you can't just take like one person aside yeah. and have them do something else that the other the rest of classes is doing. Yeah, it's almost like based on the methodology they back themselves into a corner by virtue of you know the sexiness of like we're gonna do we're gonna run all of these classes with almost minimal equipment right you're gonna have a barbell and some med balls and um you know racks and and pull-up bars and that's all you need to get shredded or to be a great athlete and I think for most people, and sounds like that's what you kind of were the realization that you were coming to is it's obviously individual dependent, but it's really not all you need. And in fact, most people really need more individualized attention if they're serious about doing any of those things is actually really getting stronger without increasing the risk of injury, actually getting leaner. And obviously nutrition is a huge component there, but we'll talk about that and even improving performance. Yeah, absolutely. And my, my goal when I first started implementing that stuff was I understood that people were very diehard CrossFit and for and a lot of it was like that the community aspect and they, you know, uh, the highlight of the day was going to that yeah, to that class and they get to see their friends and whatever and I 100% appreciate that and I think it's definitely they, they absolutely should. What my goal was to was to be able to take someone that is hitting that you know either plateau or struggling or or, or having the, the chronic injuries, um, or just someone that is pretty good but could be amazing if they're mm-hmm. after that type of that performance, uh, or if it's body composition, someone that is, you know, ha- has been struggling to kind of get to that next level of where they want to be, get them away from what they've been all that stuff they've been doing. Yeah. Just for 
enough time to give them some new adaptations to some things and then put them back in and see how everything improves for them. Yeah. I mean, it's so many things. It's just like uh, coming to the realization that it's just, that's not the end all be all. It, it can't be the, you know, the one solution for every, for every goal, <laughs> right? As it's made out to be. And I think that it's easy. It, it's just the allure of it is so, um, so prevalent with the CrossFit games and the physiques of these athletes is like, who wouldn't want to look like these just, well, I know a lot of people wouldn't want to look like them, right. but you know, I mean, you know, a lot of these athletes are just in phenomenal shape. And so there's just this allure to it, to the degree that it's like, I'm going to join CrossFit and go get crushed. Cause that's what you do. Like I yeah. just, okay. And, but then, you know, what were you seeing as far as, like going to the attrition standpoint or the injury standpoint or people just literally, you know, um, just becoming too fatigued because of it. Right. And I, I agree. I think that the, the sport side of that world has done just as much detriment as it does good. You know, it's very mm -hmm. motivating, but at the same time you get the average Joe who, whose livelihood is not to be a professional athlete that, that, has that in their mind of what they're striving for. Um, and the, you know, obviously it's, you know, a lot of people know that, that injuries are relatively prevalent in the CrossFit world, um, which on its own is already a giant red flag. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk, talk to any strength coach for like a professional sports team. If you get injured in the gym, you're, you're fired. Like there's no reason to get injured in training if you get them getting injured in your sport, that's fine. But like the, the, the gym is a place to get stronger and to yeah. improve, not to risk injury. Um, and even so, even if they're not getting outright injured, the, you know, that whole like, oh, that live sore, right? The, the brand live sore came out of that idea that, oh, it just, mm. you just kind of accept it. Like I, my joints ache and I'm always kind of sore, um, a little bit kind of fatigued and tired. And, but that's just that's just what it is. That's just, that's just life. And that's like the new normal for, for them, which should be a red flag. Yeah. Especially, you know, everyone listening to this, if you've listened to any of the other episodes, we talked so much about, you know, cumulative stress on the body from every other aspect of life, both internal, you know, in, in internal and external. Um, and, and all of the stress that we place upon ourselves physically, mentally, emotionally, and how exercise in and of itself is a major stressor on the body. So, you know, whether you do CrossFit or you're familiar with CrossFit or you've been contemplating doing CrossFit, you can understand that it has to be factored in to, well, you know, what are your goals? And do you have the room in your arsenal, in your kind of metabolic bucket to yes, add yeah. more fuel to the fire um, or add more gasoline to the fire? Or is that going to be the, the tipping point in terms exactly. of... That, right. that bucket of stress that you right. have um, can only go so much before it, it overflows. So people are getting injured. Um, I'm assuming there's a decent amount of attrition or people just dropping out by virtue of maybe they're just overly exhausted or it's too aggressive, especially taking someone who's maybe never really lifted before um, and jumping into CrossFit classes. 
Hey brother, are you struggling to find the energy to function at your best as a businessman, father, and husband? I want you to know you're not alone. And sadly, the conventional wisdom these days around healthy eating and exercise that has saturated the mainstream is flat out wrong. If you wanna find the solution to optimizing your energy and body composition without restrictive dieting, soul-crushing workouts, or adding more to your already stressful and overflowing schedule so that you can finally function like the man you know you can be, then we need to chat. Are you ready to move from exhausted to energized by working smarter, not harder? Go ahead and schedule your free strategy call at www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up. I'm looking forward to our conversation and enjoy the rest of the show. So you went off on your own. And I think one thing I just want to touch on, and and we certainly don't have to make this whole conversation about CrossFit, but I just think it's such a unique perspective of, you know, kind of the process of making things more individualized. But within that realm is what were some of the nutritional components that you may or may not have necessarily agreed with? The nutrition side of CrossFit has been a really interesting one. And anyone that knows the history of CrossFit and Rob Wolf and that whole story is is very familiar with there are certain ideas that are sort of quote accepted and anything that goes against that is going to be pushed out. And one of the main um, focal points in terms of nutrition in CrossFit world is paleo. And I think a lot of anyone familiar with CrossFit is, is aware of that. Is that still prevalent? Is that like still pretty popular within the CrossFit world? I think it is. I don't think it's as advertised as it was you know, five, six, seven years ago. I know back when I was coaching the, uh, like the paleo challenge, whether it's a four week or six week or whatever it was, yeah, this, the paleo challenge that might happen once or twice a year was extremely popular. And that was being run. That was a pretty, uh, was a staple in, in a lot of CrossFit gyms around the country. And I guess probably around the world. I don't see people talking about paleo quite as much, but I do think that it's still the sort of the standard go-to in terms of nutritional advice. Yeah. And I was certainly a big part of that movement mm-hmm. when I was coaching. I was Johnny Paleo. I, yeah, was I actually giving, was for, I, I myself as well, was, was for a good period of time. I was the, was the one responsible for giving the nutrition talks. Anytime we had one, I was running the Paleo challenges. I believe that any... Any dysfunction, illness could be solved by paleo. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And there's obviously there's a lot of truth to that, but there's obvious, but there's a lot of missing pieces to that. Yeah. And even for myself, I I noticed that I had tremendous success. Like in the first, I'd say six months, the first six months of adopting that, and for me, I was able to uh, like just basically flip a switch and the next day say, okay, I'm just going to follow this paleo, this yeah. paleo diet, bought the book was sold and, and just dove right in and, um, and saw in, like all the changes that I wanted to see in those first six months of changing. And then over the next you know years or so, I continued to see success. But at some point I stopped seeing success with that. And a lot of my clients now are coming to me with the same 
issues. They, it's the, the people that have been doing it for a year or two years and, and I had great results when using this when I started, but now it's kind of bottomed out or the, the, the results have kind of stopped. So why, why is that? Right. I, I think part of it comes from looking at paleo as dogma and seeing these set of rules. And again, like I said, CrossFitters are very quick adopters to things if that's what's presented as the norm to do. And there are these, you know, quote rules in, if you're following like a strict paleo diet, for example, um, so it's going to say eliminate all grains. Right. Rice, rice is a grain. Mm -hmm. And white rice is a uh, is a staple of your your traditional functional medicine elimination diet. Like if you're going to do your gold standard sort of Chinese medicine type of uh, starting from scratch to 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 build a the least sensitizing diet for you, uh, it starts with white rice and something else like maybe lamb or yeah, I think lamb um, because it generally is very has you know uh, a low chance of being a sensitivity. It's on that no-fly uh, list because of the glycemic index, which is which, bogus. Well, one that's one of the reasons, right? Then there's the whole the whole grain issue as well. The fact that right. it's technically a grain, Same, like white potatoes as well, because there's there spikes blood sugar too much. Because that's one of the ideas, of the tenets of of the paleo diet is that it's it's keeping blood sugar stable um, and not having big spikes or whatever. But it's, so it's all this ideology that isn't scientifically validated at this point. That's just, like you said, it's just kind of dogma. Right. And, and, following. Right. And of course, there, I'm not at all bashing the, the paleo diet because the, one of the other problems is, that, is, is the interpretation of it. And I don't think Lauren Cordain ever intended it to be, here's a literal set of guidelines. Right. Like you need to follow these rules no matter what. It was a framework saying here's here's our best representation of what will probably reduce your of of how we used to live when we didn't have all these diseases but you're never it's literally impossible to recreate those conditions so it's never going to nor be, would you really want to <laughs> <laughs> right so so you can't follow it literally which is what uh which is people can run into trouble when they do try to follow it literally so there's holes in it like that like like choosing to eliminate this dense carbohydrate source that probably is not going to create inflammation mm -hmm. that while it may create a blood sugar spike, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Right. And certainly at the right time of day and with the right person with the right microbiome and right. all. So there's all these considerations. Exactly. <laughs> and so if we, if we look at some of these foods that we're, uh, we're told to eliminate, there might be room for that for a large number of people. And we'll probably get into this whole carb carbohydrate topic um, later on in the talk, but obviously CrossFit is a, is a training methodology that, that requires a significant amount of carbohydrates to perform at a, at a high level and, and certainly to, to, uh, to recover from so that you don't add to that stress bucket. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's dive into it because paleo diet in and of itself is probably great for most people uh, if they're making any kind of transition from the standard American diet, like not bashing the paleo diet. Um, but after a certain point, especially if you're competing, especially if you're serious about hard training, the volume of training that you're doing, 
obviously your individual needs, body type, body composition, right? Then it may not be the end all be all, which you personally were experiencing. And it sounds like you were observing in, and, and this is kind of the type of clientele that you work with as well, that has kind of hit this sort of plateau. Like they're serious about their body comp, they're serious about their training, and there's something about their nutrition that they're just not really dialing into. And you sort of started to observe this with yourself, with your clientele, and the whole paleo diet lends itself to only being so effective. So, and I think that you hit the nail on the head there when we start to talk about, okay, carbohydrate needs, but, but carbohydrates are bad, <laughs> right? I mean... <laughs> But if we want to lose weight, we should be restricting our carbohydrates, keto diet, carnivore, low carb, Atkins. So what's the deal there? Um, well, how many hours do you have? To yeah. That? So, you know, um, Cliff's notes, but why do we need carbs or, or do we need carbs? Yeah. So let, let's start with that. And so if we and I'll try to do this without getting too deep into the biochemistry. So if we think about the, the two types of um, uh, energy production, there's aerobic, meaning with oxygen, right. and then anaerobic without oxygen. And so the very fast and uh, the, the, the quick and dirty way to get energy would be anaerobic, which um, you, can, uh, you can get, so primarily from carbs, you can get it from fat as well. And uh, so you, you can make that energy very quickly. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing a type of workout that is going to require that fast energy or that you're burning through energy very quickly, like quick bursts of stuff, you know, up to uh, like 90 seconds or so, um, you're going to be quickly burning through that stuff. But there is the, the side effect of it creating a lot of lactic acid or lactate. Yeah. And um, if you're not familiar with, the, with any listener not familiar with that, that's that burning that, yes. that builds up um, as, as you do more and more reps. So you can make a little bit of energy from that, that, that fast anaerobic process, but you have that, that um, side effect of a lot of lactate. If we continue further down the, the, the chain there, we can use uh, oxygen. So we can take those nutrients and then, and then send them into the, the system to use oxygen for yeah. energy, which creates, uh, instead of two units of energy, two moles of ATP, we would get 38 units of energy. So we can get a lot more energy out of that aerobic or oxygen with oxygen energy process. So when we, when we talk about a CrossFit workout, a typical CrossFit workout, and well, let's just say like a, anything that involves like a conditioning, some type of conditioning aspect, to a certain extent, uh, sets of five or more really yeah. um even if you're doing just strength are going to predominantly use carbs or, or i should say carbs are going to be the preferred source of fuel for those workouts you can still use fat and we can still use ketones if you're keto adapted but we'll get to that later yeah but certainly the preferred fuel source and the most readily available and the easiest to use is going to be carbs and so when you perform that workout, you are, you're using them up and you're depleting that stored glycogen. I'm sure your, your listeners are familiar with glycogen. So that means that glycogen has to be refilled. And so 
if we're using up the fuel in the fuel tank, but not refilling it, yeah. how long are you going to be able to go before the car runs out of gas completely and just breaks down? So we need carbs for energy production, specifically during these types of workouts, specifically during CrossFit-esque type workouts, and really any type of workout where you're doing, where the muscle's under tension um, for any explosive or extended period of time. You don't necessarily need it, but it certainly is a preferential fuel source to be utilized. Yes. And you, you can, I mean, technically you can still use, you can use amino acids as well from protein, right. but to get to that point, it's a, it's a longer, it's more complicated and a more stressful process to, to utilize that other stuff. And so what's the problem when we are low carb and we are trying to perform at a high level and not necessarily, I'm not saying necessarily like compete or perform in a given competition, but we're just trying to push ourselves physic to a, to some certain physical level and make progress in the gym. Right. Uh, and just to add to that, because people might hear, like you said, they might hear the word performance and think, Oh, well, that's just an athlete. I don't care about yeah, right. getting on the podium or whatever competing, but performance means anything, anything in the gym, when you're trying to train, to your best ability, your best capacity in the gym. And that relates directly to body composition. If, if anyone's listening because that's what they're interested in, the better you can train in the gym, assuming everything else is taken care of, uh, the, the, the better your results are gonna be aesthetically. And mm -hmm. so the more we can fuel that, because it starts with that stimulus, that's where the stimulus is coming from to really, really change your body. So if we can give you the, the best stimulus possible in the gym and um, and account for that stress so that you adapt to it properly and positively, then you will have body composition improvements as well. I, I want to jump in there really quick because I think that's really important what you just said is your, it, it, and the way I heard you say that is you're eating to fuel your performance in the gym so that you can improve your body composition as a byproduct versus Sometimes the way that we think about it is I'm simply going to manipulate my nutrition regardless of my training as a means to manipulate my body composition, right? Exactly. So what sounds like what you're getting at is like, oh, well, uh, I can keep my training the same, but if I just go low carb, I'll just right. adjust my nutrition, then that's what's going to yield results. Right. And while that may work sometimes that is not necessarily the case. And the, that's, those two aren't necessarily correlated. The best way to do it is to have a training stimulus that is in line with your goals and then have the nutrition match this training yeah. stimulus so that you can get the most out of it. So we want the carbs there to fuel the performance so that you can get the most out of the workout. And then of course, after the workout, those carbs need to be replaced so that when you come back to your workout the next time, in addition to obviously a whole bunch of other stuff right. in your physiology, but specifically with the gym, when you come back to that workout the next time, the tank is, few, is full again so that you can come back and crush it again and rinse and repeat. So it sounds like what you're saying and just kind of bringing everything back together because it sounds like that was your evolution in terms of what you started to realize in the gym with the training components is like, okay, these workouts are great to a certain point, but they're not going to take someone to that next level, depending on the individual. The nutrition is fine, depending on the person. And if they're just getting started is again, switching from maybe standard American diet to more paleo, but it may not necessarily be giving someone that 
the fuel that they need to really take it to the next level to continue to make progress with respect to strength, with respect to performance, with respect to body composition. And so you started to tweak all of these elements to really refine what was working best for you. And now what's really working well for your clientele. And within that is the thought process is not around the element of restriction. Rather, it's like how much training stimulus is there? How much nutrition do we need? And nutrition do we need regardless of paleo or otherwise? And fuel do we need to support that training process to be able to, you know, kind of create the, um, like the hottest burning engine, right? That the most metabolically active engine possible. Does that sound fair? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And I can speak to this because I, I went through this journey myself. Uh, the, you know, it's not just um, reciting some stuff that I read in books yeah. and online. I know this, this, this journey firsthand because, so I lived that when I first started, everything works. And this is true for everyone. Like when, when, you have those newbie gains, the novice effect. When you yeah. first start doing something, everything works. Um, so I think what really what we're ta- who we're talking to is those people that are 6, 12, 24 months into this journey. Um, because, uh, because I know for me at some point, I, I tried that, um, whatever you want to call it, anabo- you know, De Pasquale's anabolic diet or the yeah, carb right. or the like cyclical, of- cyclical ketogenic. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I remember doing it once and it worked pretty well and I lost quite a bit of body fat and, and felt pretty good. And then a little while later I ran that protocol again and completely crashed. Mm. And just cause I was at a different point in, in for where my body was and uh, just, it just didn't work at that point. <laughs> Don't you have to be on anabolics to, to run that effectively for any prolonged period of time? Well, if you're trying to do CrossFit at the same time, then <laughs> yeah. good point. Because you're you're depleting massive amounts of glycogen yeah. on a no carb diet. Yeah. So you know, there's inherently a major problem with running low carb, running ketogenic while trying to do that type of training. There is, and there was actually, man, a few years back, I don't remember how much publicity got. Some some woman wrote a paper, ran a study where she was testing the effects of a ketogenic diet on CrossFit. This might have been like three or four years ago. And I think it was maybe a six-week study. And she took, if I remember correctly, relatively newer people, trainees to CrossFit. They had them do baseline, the baseline workout, which is 500-meter row. Mm. Um, Was it 40 squats, 30 sit-ups, 20 push-ups, and 10 pull-ups, something like that. So aside from the row, a bunch of body weight movements. and then had one group do keto, one group just continue eating as they were. And the, the keto group lost, I think, about an average of like seven pounds, something like that, and improved their time on that workout by some statistically significant amount. And so from the outside, it looks like a success. Like, okay, well, you can and, – and they didn't really lose significant – uh, lean mass. They didn't lose muscle mass significantly. But again, it was only six weeks, right? True. So there's a, there's a lot of flaws in the yeah. in the execution of it. But I, I think that's a, a sort of a micro version of what pe- of how people experience this is they maybe they do it for a period of time where they see people doing it and it seems like there is success. Mm-hmm. However, like you said, it was a short period of time. 
So losing fat is not anything new on a keto diet. Right. And improving your time on body weight exercises when you weigh less is not necessarily a novel effect. Yeah, and the confounding variable of, of, of just uh, people just uh, the learning curve of just improving. And there's the learning curve. Exactly. <laughs> right? You're I mean, probably going to get better yeah, <laughs> the second right. time around. So obviously it's not impossible to perform well on in CrossFit on a ketogenic diet, but I just don't see it as optimal, yeah. especially not in the long run. Again, that was like a six-week study. And again, maybe someone tries it and they do have success for some period of time. But I just don't see it as an optimal way to continue for the long run for, for many reasons, even outside of just what are your workout times. Um, you know, you have things like the insulin response. So if you're going to stay on a low-carbohydrate uh, low diet, that insulin response does more than just move nutrients into cells. There's the effect on thyroid. There's the effect right. on sex hormones. And those directly uh, have ramifications on body composition as well. There's the compounded stress. So if you are fully keto adapted and you are actually running on ketones, at a certain point, you do have access to those ketones to use for fuel. So, you know, that might work for you. No one's fully keto adapted. I mean, right. I how many people do you know that are fully keto adapted? No one's fully keto adapted unless they're, like, in which case, if they are, great. Like, more power to them. That's someone who's way more hardcore than any Jane and Joe that you or I speak with on a daily basis. Yeah, and I think that's the point is, yes, you can, you can find, like, people like Ben Greenfield or right. I know there's right. coaches that, that do put their, that do have their athletes go keto adapted and, um, and they're measuring the, the ketones and the, the, the blood, the blood levels and all that stuff. Yeah. But like you said, we're talking about the, that average gym goer and it's not likely. And so assuming that that's not the case where we end up is what I see a lot of so much, so often is people in this like low carb swampland. So like you mentioned earlier, if people, all they have to do is just adjust the nutrition to get those body composition changes without changing the training stimulus and that stress on their body. Mm -hmm. And they get down, you know, I see a lot of people in like that 70 to 100 grams of carbs per day, something like that, because yeah. that's what is sort of low carbish. Right. Um, let's think about this. The brain alone uses 100, about 120 grams of glucose per day. Mm -hmm. Just the brain. Your um, other cells throughout the body um, are going to use about 30-ish. And then your liver can store what's like 80 or 90 or so grams of carbs um, for when you're fasting or when you're asleep. So they can sort of IV drip glucose into the bloodstream yep. to keep you alive. And so we're looking at just, just from those like basic like living physiological functions, we're looking at like what, 200 grams or yeah. in that realm. So when we, when you drop to that, like 70 to a hundred or whatever, then there's, and by the way, that hasn't even touched training yet. Right. We haven't even talked about glycogen depletion. So we're not low carb enough to be keto adapted and run on ketones, but we're too low carb to run like brain function and manage mitigate stress and all that other all that other stuff um there's not enough carbs for all that other and, and probably too low calorie too to boot 
Possibly. Well, actually, that's, that's a great point because that is possible. But talking about the CrossFit crowd and the whole paleo crowd, what's, the mo- what's the, one of the biggest things that became popular once keto hit was fat is good for you. Mm, or good at, point. at the same time, right? Everyone learned yeah. that saturated fat is not the enemy. Fat is yeah, good. good point. Bacon. Everyone, let's put bacon Coconut on Coconut oil, avocado, bulletproof, yeah. just exactly. crushing yeah. fat all day long. No, it's a great point. Hey, guys. Real quickly, I want to talk to you about my nutrition company, BSL Nutrition, and our all-in-one training drink called Complete Essentials. This is a comprehensive exercise formula that I personally created after experiencing years of frustration, working with hundreds of individuals and athletes that were not getting the nutrition that they needed before, during, and after their workouts. After using numerous workout powders that were low quality, overpriced, chock full of caffeine and artificial sweeteners, and were flat out useless, I said enough is enough and figured out how to create a nutritionally dense, comprehensive, and high quality product with ingredients that you can feel good about taking and giving to your family. When you use Complete Essentials, you'll no longer need pre, during, and post-workout supplements. You'll save time, money, and energy and get all of the beneficial nutrients you need in one delicious, easy-to-mix drink. It's just the ingredients that you need to give you great natural energy, improve your recovery, and reduce your muscle soreness with no caffeine or artificial sweeteners. You can learn more about our complete essentials at bslnutritionshop.com. And check out the show notes below for a nice little discount on your first purchase as my way of saying thank you for listening. That's it. Let's head back to the show. What I think probably resonate the most with the listeners is just getting a deeper understanding there of the importance of carbohydrates and hard training. And if you're listening to this and your goal is to improve your physique, to improve your performance in the gym. Again, we're not talking about competition necessarily, but to improve your performance in the gym, which it should be a driver of, I like to think about focusing on improving performance as a driver of improving body composition, as opposed to just getting myopic on just calories and body composition and circumference measurements and weight. I think it's really works well to shift the focus into our performance in the gym. So if, if you care about those things, then it should be refreshing to understand that you have to fuel yourself effectively in order to do that. And I think what you and I see quite often when with clients that we work with, it's, they are sort of in this uh, nutritional no man's land, um, carbohydrate swamp, I think you said, or sort of this metabolic limbo of carbs are too low, training's potentially too high, um, they, you know, maybe consuming far too many calories at certain times, far too few calories at other times. And so I'd like to talk about kind of progress this into carbohydrate sources and then how you kind of start to plug those in with respect to training times, um, sources and and what have you. Uh, so you're talking about like nutrient timing. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Nutrient timing and carbohydrate sources, because we talked about how paleo is not the end all be all. So are we talking, obviously you add more white rice. Are you adding more refined sources of carbohydrate? Like, what do you, what do you like to do? Um, because I don't want people to think, I, I personally think that 
there's plenty of room for everything, as I've talked about. And I think, yeah, primarily we want to be eating whole food sources. But, you know, then we talk about, um, you know, carb powders during training. We talk about juice post-workout. We talk about cream of rice and even, you know, cereal. And, you know, it's like, where do you stand in that frame of reference, especially when we talk about how much carbs people actually need once they're metabolically adjusted to consume them? So like you said, obviously I'm a huge fan of whole food sources uh, as much as possible. But also, again, like, like, like you alluded to, there's can be a time and a place for almost anything. Um, for example, I'm a huge proponent of staying gluten-free. Uh, just as like my, my personal opinion, I don't see, from a health perspective, I don't see any reason why, you, why someone can't be 100% gluten-free. There's, by now, there's gluten-free versions of everything, whether you like pasta, bread, cereal, whatever it is, you could be. Now, that being said, there might be times where you know, life things get in the way or whatever, or just you want to treat yourself to a donut or something like that. And yeah. there's outside of the health reasons, there's like the psychological benefit Definitely. of, okay, well, I'm going to go off plan yeah. and that's going to, you know, that, that's fine. Um, so that being said, I do agree that there, for reasons outside of maybe, uh, like physiological health, a time and place to do sort of off, have off plan foods, but for the most part, because really at the end of the day, we are talking about stress. How do we impose the least amount of stress that we have control over on our body? So if we can avoid st- big stresses like gluten and dairy, uh, then, then that lowers the level of that stress bucket like we're talking about. So mm-hmm. things like white rice, things like potatoes or sweet potatoes, plantains, these dense whole food sources that, as, as we mentioned before, are generally low sensitivity foods. Any of those starches, uh, the, the starchier, you know, roots and tubers, that kind of stuff, you know, beets have a relatively higher amount of, of carbs in them. And then there's the whole fruit conversation, which we don't have to get too, too deep into that because uh, th- there's, there's a ton of nutrition in fruit. There's fiber, there's vitamins and minerals. Yes, there is sugar in fruit, but it is sort of buffered by the water and the, and the, and the fiber that's in there. Also, no one's eating 12 apples a day. Um, or what and, you're saying is there's nothing wrong with fruit, right? You can play semantics and say that, yes, you can get fat on fruit, but that's realistically yeah, what I'm talking about. We're not going there. And, and right. I think, you know, what I'm getting at is like, if we talk about minimum, you know, person needs somewhere around 200 grams of carbs. And I'm not saying that's what you need, but as an example, the example that you kind of laid out, maybe for someone our size, you know, 200 grams of carbs shouldn't seem like that much, but when you lay it out on paper and you lay it out in terms of real food, that's a quite um, high volume of food, which I think is very daunting for people to realize like, holy shit, that's like, that's, you know, a lot of rice. That's a big chunk of potato per day. And I think people don't realize how much actual food it is when you're eating real food to accumulate enough calories. And we're not having bulletproof coffees all day or, you know, consuming shitty sources of carbs. Yeah. So that's a great point for someone that is not used to eating that much or that has been low carb for a while or just hasn't really thought about that, uh, eating sufficient carbs to fuel all this stuff like we're talking about, it can seem very daunting. If you think about one, one 
uncooked cup of rice, which makes four cooked cups of rice. There, you know, there's 40 grams of carbs per cooked cup of rice. There's, yep. there's 160 grams of carbs right there, yep. which still doesn't. So four cups of rice per day still doesn't cover right. all of the needs. If you're 200 or, you know, if you're hitting 200 or more carbs per day, four cups of rice per day is, can be a lot. It, well, for most people, it's unheard of. Well, right. <laughs> like it, it, I would say, okay, if, if we talk about most people that care about their nutrition or are observant of what they're consuming, right? Not just blindly eating or eating a ch- cheesecake factory and just eating, you know, their whole plate of food. It's, it really seems like a lot of food. Right. And which is why using those dense sources can be really beneficial because if, if you're in that mindset of, oh, I want to, like, if you're thinking of that, let's say the glycemic index, that the faulty glycemic index thinking where I'm going to eat a, a slower, slow carb, right? A slower absorbing carb, then, you know, you're generally going to, you're going to have to eat even, even more. If you're trying to get a lot of carbs from, from vegetables, good luck trying to get in the hundreds of grams per day. Oh, forget about it. Um, your gut's going to be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> so, so at the right time, we get, so I guess getting back, finally getting back to, to your question, you know, at the right time, these dense sources are very, um, very, you know, tactical, you could say, uh, when you, when you put them at the right time of day. So what's, what's, what are good times to do it? Certainly the two best times that I always recommend are post-workout mm-hmm. because we have that very easy shuttle system to get the glucose right into the muscles. We don't even need insulin at that point. Right. And it's going to go right in. So number one, it's getting into refill that fuel tank, that glycogen fuel tank. Number two, you're getting the hormonal benefits of it because it's dampening that cortisol response that you just got from the stress of the workout. We can start that recovery as soon as possible. The other great time is at night. So when I when I have my first when I have my clients first start to increase their carbs to this, well, what seems high for them, right? it would be post-workout and then dinner mm-hmm. in the evening is the second best time. Because if, if you think about how you feel after, let's say Thanksgiving meal, you get that food coma, it's because of all the carbs. So we can use that sleepy, feel good serotonin, serotonin feeling to our advantage right. right when we're ready to go to bed. And and wind Help down. us unwind yeah. from all the sympathetic stress of the day. Absolutely. I think that's a really good tip. I, I want to start to wrap it up. For trying to sum things up here, I, I really think that the most valuable component here, Elliot, is really helping people understand that we want to be using our food to fuel our training stimulus as a means to improve our performance, our body composition, our health, as opposed to restricting our food, um, possibly downregulating our metabolism and sort of digging ourselves into this hole and kind of giving people permission to eat real food, to eat all three macronutrients and not feel like there needs to be this element of restriction. Now, it's very clear that if weight loss is a goal, if body composition a goal is a goal, that there needs to be some level of caloric restriction. But what I really appreciate about what we've discussed is the importance of the training stimulus. And we didn't even really go into the semantics of, of the training stimulus. And I think that would probably be a good topic for another podcast episode. But 
so much can be accomplished. And that's why you started to leave you know, that CrossFit world is because you understand the importance of, and all of my clients certainly are nodding their heads right now, understanding like, oh yeah, based on the types of workouts that we do, I really understand the value of the training stimulus and how the nutrition is matched to support that training as a means to improve, you know, help us reach our, our nutrition goals. So I thank you for that. Um, please chime in on that. Yeah, um, absolutely. One more thing to add to, to that sort of the nutrient timing uh, topic is something that I, I feel like a lot of people are talking about it outside of the CrossFit world, but I don't see a lot of CrossFitters or, or coaches telling their CrossFit athletes about this, which is the intra-workout nutrition. I don't think that's talked about enough, particularly in the CrossFit world. And maybe it's because you're caught up in a class and you're, you're not really thinking about sipping on something in between sets or in between the lifting and the Metcon or something like that. And once you get started in the Metcon, you're certainly not going to sip on something. Right. But I think there's enough time, again, even for the average person going to their, their weekly, their, their CrossFit class each day, I still think there's enough time to utilize intra-workout nutrition or at the very least pre-workout five minutes before that will last you, that will sort of qualify right. as intra-workout. And, and carbs is my, would be number one on that list. Because again, if, if, as we mentioned, carbohydrates are going to be the, the most efficient thing to fuel your workout. Let's get them in the bloodstream ready to go. You, we have this window of time where you have complete control over what you're doing. And if you want to you know, talk about what's the best way to, recovery, to, to recover, let's get that recovery started now in this, in this workout. Let's, let's stack the deck as much as we can in your favor, either intra or pre-workout carbs, like a carb powder, like you mentioned, a dextrose or a maltodextrin, yep. to get 25, 50 grams in the bloodstream ready to go. And I, I bet if, if there was one thing that people added or sort of took away from this, if they, if they tried doing that, I, I feel like they're going to see dramatic improvements in how long they last, like before they burn out and the, even just the lifting, I feel like they're going to see big, big boosts in the workout, which will lead to the better results they can get. So carbohydrates would be number one on the list for intra yep. workout. So it, like in the middle of the, like in the workout. And then of course there's a handful of other things that are helpful to improve performance that are not stimulant related at all. But uh, I don't know how, if you want to talk about those. Yeah. I mean, do you want to, you want to plug my complete essentials, by <laughs> drop it. I mean, it. that's, I, 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 I don't, if anyone's watching this, we end up showing the video. I, I have this right here because <laughs> right on. not because we're talking, but because I use it. So I'll actually, I'll use a serving of that plus a serving of dextrose in my yeah. intra workout when I have, a, when I'm in a metabolic training phase. Yeah. You know, you obviously have, there's electrolytes in there to keep the, the, the nervous system signaling and the, the hydration and all that good stuff in that. And in other products, I use stuff like citrulline to help improve blood flow, nutrients into the muscle, help re waste removal out of yep. the muscle in the, in the complete essentials. You have stuff, you have like the, 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 the trimethylglycine or the betaine, right. just to kind of help facilitate detoxification on the cellular level and just the kind of cellular function so that mm -hmm. everything's working at top speed all the essentials to support liver, like glycogen in the liver to um, 
you know, those aminos do other things besides just building muscle. They support energy production. They can be used in the Krebs cycle, the citric acid cycle. So they do a lot of stuff just to kind of support energy production and performance. I feel like there's this whole list of nutrients that are just overlooked, particularly in the CrossFit world. It's like these, you you can find them in more bodybuilding realms. Yeah. But no one really talks about them in CrossFit for performance, which is kind of weird. Well, first of all, thanks for the the plug. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I could not have said it better myself. Um, so I obviously am super biased, but I'm a huge fan of the Complete Essentials as well. And I use a ton of it during my workouts. In addition to, I actually use branch cyclic dextrins, which are, you know, a little more expensive, but I just don't tolerate the dextrose as well. But I love carb powders with my clientele. I think you're absolutely spot on, man. It's a great way to fuel workout, to support recovery, to support performance, to help contribute towards our our daily intake of the carbs that we actually need if we're serious about our training, serious about our recovery, serious about performance. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's spot on and such a great time when we have such control over our environment that if we just look at it as like, okay, I, if I'm controlling what I do before, during, and immediately after our workout, in addition to what I'm actually doing physically during the workout, that in and of itself, if it was the only thing that people were focusing on and there was nothing else over the rest of the day, that alone would be such a great start and a relatively yeah. easy start. So thank you for that. For those of you listening, obviously we're talking about the Complete Essentials, which is the product that we formulated through BSL Nutrition. It's an all-in-one training and workout powder. And um, I do have a, you probably already heard a little plug for it in the um, advertisement, but we've got a little discount code for you in the show notes below. So check that out. Um, And thank you for those of you that are currently using it. Um, We've got an incredible client base and I'm super, super grateful to have you and you as well, Elliot. So uh, with that said, man, where can people find out more about you? Uh, I do have a website, but it's, it's a little under construction, but um, it's so Orion strength is the is my company name and i'd say the the best place would be facebook i'm the most cool. active on facebook you can you can friend request me directly um i have a private facebook group where i post all my content and answer questions and sort of run trainings there and, and that kind of stuff so um facebook would either orion strength or just me as, as a person would be the best awesome. place awesome well those links are right below this uh, podcast in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. Um, head over and join Elliot's Facebook group. He obviously is just such a wealth of, of knowledge. He's a great coach, a great guy, um, just super educated and really has been in the industry and obviously understands what it takes to help you accomplish your goals. So if you're interested in that, reach out to him. Brother, thank you so much for your time and passion and energy and looking forward to doing this again sometime. My pleasure. Love talking to you, Ben. All right, buddy. Take care. You too. Did you love this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple show? Then head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a positive rating and review. And more importantly, share this with other men that you know are dedicated to leveling up in every area of their life by learning how to live healthier, more energetic, and productive lives so that they can optimize their health for their family and future. Thank you for listening. And if you want to find out more about how you can work directly with Ben, then just head on over to www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up.